You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family. We're super excited you tuned in today. Before we get started, we just want to let you know about this Sunday. So Sunday night at 5, we're going to have our sister church, Piney Grove, over, and we're going to have a joint worship worship service. So we hope you guys will join us this Sunday. And now, Ben and Sher are going to talk about the resurrection. Thanks, Cassidy. So uh, on Sunday of last week, we preached about Jesus, uh, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried, and on the third day, he rose again. And um, Stro, I appreciate you joining us today. If you don't know Jeremy Stro very well, if you're a guest of our church and you're listening to the podcast, Stro's our student pastor uh, and our college pastor. Um, he's got a great background um, in philosophy and theology, just a good friend to me and a good dialogue partner about the New Testament. So, Stro, thanks for coming to help us talk about the resurrection. Yeah, thanks for letting me join. So I, I was very impressed, Stro, going through um, some of my studies in the New Testament to recognize how important the resurrection was for the early church. Um, if you start looking for references to the resurrection in the book of Acts or in the New Testament letters, wow, it's everywhere. Uh, the New Testament church would not have formed without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, and yet... I think for some of us, while we're busy or distracted or caught up in our in our normal life in the world, uh, it's easy for us to forget about the resurrection or forget why it's so important. So we got two questions today. I want to talk to you about why should a why should a Christian believe in the resurrection? Because it seems like an unbelievable thing that a person was raised from the dead. And then after that, we'll talk about the significance of the resurrection. So, Stro, uh, why should we believe in the resurrection? Yeah, man. Um, I, you're right. The resurrection of Jesus was early, early in the church. I mean, right after it happens, it's foundational. Uh, the passage we're going to talk about in just a minute, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talks about this teaching that they believe that he's handing to them that he received. The idea being there that that, that would have happened when he was probably with Peter and James and John in Jerusalem, and that's around 36 AD, so that's I mean, within a few years, there's a formalized kind of version of the story of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection that everyone uh, has to own and believe. So it's old. It happened early. It's not some story that was made up later. Uh, we have some good historical evidence to point to that. But that said, why would a rational person believe that someone could come back from the dead? And, and I've heard I've heard New Testament scholars who are atheist or agnostic, which is crazy to think that they're out there, but there are mm-hmm. tons of them. Sure. And brilliant guys who have essentially dismissed the resurrection on the grounds that it's impossible. And yeah. so I do think it's a legitimate question for um, for our church family to interact with. So why, why believe then when we know we're surrounded by neighbors and friends who find the resurrection of Jesus impossible to believe in? Why should we believe in it? Yeah, I think to be fair, uh, I like the fact that when we look at Scripture, uh, they didn't believe it in the beginning either. I love the fact that we're not talking about biased people who would believe anything crazy. Right on. Uh, the resurrection is a miracle. This is rare. Like We don't look around and go, oh, people come back from the dead all the time. Um, man, whenever the disciples were told about it, whenever Mary and Martha, when they go to the tomb, they're asking, hey, what's happened to Jesus' body? Who took him? They think he's dead. Yeah, they, they say he totally died. Don't expect him to be dead. He's gone. Someone's stolen the body. No one looks up and goes, I bet he came back from the dead. So it's fairly normal that people in ancient times and modern times would say, wow, people don't 
raised from the dead? Mm-mm. Yeah, these, these are not uneducated people who had no scientific background or experience with death. So, Everyone knew they're dead. And they were actually in some ways more acquainted with death than we are. Mm-hmm. I, I know that seems silly, no, but, sure. you know, I mean, in, in our day when somebody dies, typically they die in the hospital. You know, we, we say our farewells and then we show up for the funeral. Um, right. Whereas in their day, I mean, they were with their deceased loved one from the beginning until the end. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. they were they were the ones giving them care to the grave. So they knew exactly what they were talking about. So to be clear, we understand that the miracle is the anomaly. It, it, I mean, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was the unusual thing. It was all right. So with that said, well, I yeah, believe. Sure. So for me, this has been super helpful. There's a couple of historical things that we're sure about. Okay. That without the resurrection, we really don't know what to do with them. Okay. Um, four things in particular. So uh, first, we're really sure about Jesus' burial. Okay. Uh, that's a common historical fact. There are lots of sources across the board, whether those are biblical sources or extra biblical sources that would testify to Jesus being crucified and then being buried in a tomb. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, it's very obvious that that tomb was empty. The arguments, like, even Rome, whenever they look up and they say, Jesus was not resurrected. The argument isn't, see, here he is. Yeah, here's, here's his body. Yeah, the argument is he's been stolen. And so you, you would have to have a better explanation for where is his body. Right. What they're not arguing is like that he is gone. Like Everybody knows the body's gone. That's right. The question is, is he resurrected or did someone steal it? And their argument would have been someone stole it. But the deal is just the historical fact we're sure about. He was buried. Then the tomb was empty. Then we got all sorts of people showing up saying, I've seen Jesus. I've seen Jesus. The disciples bear that claim. Um, there are people, all sorts of his disciples, walking on the Emmaus Road, the 12, the women who followed him with their life. Like, a lot of people are saying, I've had an experience with Jesus. I've seen him. And, and, and number one, it's not like a handful. Mm-mm. I mean, according to the scriptures, well over 500. Yeah. And then the other thing is, it's not all in one place. It's not like they were all at a concert Mm-mm. and they had one visionary experience. I mean, some of them are here, some of them are over there. Yeah. So that's that's crazy. Yeah, lots of different people are having the experience. And they're having it in groups, which visions is not unheard of when people are use drugs or when they're not quite Spiritually sane. Extent, yeah. yeah, there are ways. But for groups to have the same vision, to witness the same things, that... That's a phenomenon that's really not heard of. Right. Um, and that was the claim of the early church. Yeah. Yeah. And so we know that a lot of people bore witness to Jesus being resurrected and, and having an encounter with him after his death. And then you have the origin of the disciples' belief that he rose from the dead. These disciples believe it, and they believe it passionately. So, you know, a few minutes ago you mentioned that there was an empty tomb and there is no body. Right. Okay. And one of the questions that raises for me is, well, what are the possibilities? You know, one possibility, you know, would be that you know Jesus was Hercules and just pushed the tomb open himself and wandered off in the woods and died. Nobody, nobody really mm-hmm. believes that, uh, because it would have been actually a bigger miracle for him to be able to bring himself out of the tomb in the state that he was in. So nobody, nobody buys that anymore. Uh, well, who has the body? I mean, if the Jewish leaders had taken his body, they simply would have turned it over to the Romans and said, look, see, here it is. If the Romans had no motivation for taking the body, in fact, Roman soldiers were entrusted with defending the, the tomb, there's no way they would have failed intentionally. And if the disciples had hidden the body, and I think that's where you're going next, why on earth would they have lived such committed lives to what they knew was not true? Yeah, that's the thing is that you find some folks who believe things that aren't true and live powerful lives according to those things. But the issue is is that they really believe those things are true. It's crazy for people to live 
a passionate, powerful life, and then to offer their life um, for things that they know not to be true. And so that's, I think, the difference. Some folks would argue, well, I realize these disciples gave their life for Jesus because they believe he resurrected, but maybe they were mistaken. And I would go, they're not in any place to be mistaken about this one. They were eyewitnesses. So when someone says, man, maybe a terrorist um, for uh, another religion believes something passionately and gives his life for it. And I would say that's true. But he doesn't have historical evidence to back right. up what he's given his life for. It's it's not a fair comparison to say somebody a thousand years Mm-mm. after an event is committed to believing that it happened, as opposed to saying no, 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 firsthand accounts, eyewitnesses. They're giving their life because Jesus rose from the dead, and they would know better than anyone whether right. he did or did. And again, we're not talking about you know one radical, one charismatic or crazy leader. You know, we're not talking about one Jim Jones or something. Like we're talking about. We're talking about a multitude of guys who lived such a committed life, and each of them died independently of the other for the sake of the gospel, and they were independently committed to the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting. It's almost like Sherlock Holmes. I mean, hey, listen, the, it seems impossible, but if all the evidence points back to the resurrection, can you explain the rise of early Christianity, the commitment of the disciples, the empty tomb, better with some other explanation than the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And you can't. Mm-hmm. You can't. You got a group of Jewish monotheists who are committed to to one God who who come out of this experience and begin to call Jesus Christ the Lord, giving him the title the title that they reserve for God. Why would they believe that he is deity? Why do they believe that he's part of the Godhead? And it is the resurrection from the dead that begins to convince this group of Jewish monotheists so much that they're willing to die for him. So those are some great reasons why we can believe and realize that you know we're not putting our hope in kind of a, a, a pipe dream or a weak idea. But maybe in just a couple of minutes, Stro, what is the significance of this for a Christian? So Paul said, if there is no resurrection, then we as Christians are the most to be pitied. In other words, we're wasting our lives. So the resurrection is central to the church and to Christian living. But in your opinion, Stro, what is the significance of the resurrection for us? Yeah, so let's take a look. 1 Corinthians 15, um, 20, uh, verse 20. Here, Paul continues to build on this idea that because of Christ's resurrection, we have hope. And not in just this life, but forever. And so in 20, he says, In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, By man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ, the firstfruits. Then at his coming those who belong to Christ. And then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And this is... Man, the beauty of the resurrection for the church is that Jesus is putting to death all of our rebellion, all of our sin, and all that comes from that. Anger, malice, fury, and all of that dies on the cross and is like, he's resurrected. And then we're able, in spite of our sins and our failures and our mistakes and the broken world that we live in, to step into new life. And so Jesus' resurrection is just the first fruits of what's coming because of his death, his crucifixion. The resurrection now is a picture of new life for him and for all creation. Now there's a new creation and a new kingdom coming. Every old power and authority with sin and malice and hatred and envy and boasting, all of that goes away. And in Christ, we're being made new. And so now we, 
wake up every morning looking forward to eternal life with Christ, but looking forward to real life now where there's a possibility of joy in spite of sorrow and hard struggle, where there's love and laughter and compassion. The church, for us, our life and our love and our joy isn't situational. It's not limited to good days and bad days. Now we're breathing in and out this new kingdom where there's love and life and hope and the resurrection of Jesus is the first fruits of that. It's the first picture. So if we imagine the new heaven and the new earth, the new creation that's coming, I mean, the crazy thing about New Testament Christianity is the new creation is coming one day and we'll live in this in, in this moment where we can be perfectly human without the stains of evil, greed, pride, sin, lust. But the new creation has already begun. We are already new creations. It's launched. And it was launched on the launching pad of the empty tomb. Like when Jesus was, when he conquered the grave, he began the new creation. And what we're living in now that is good and beautiful and what will fully be good and beautiful when the new creation is fully set in, in the new heaven and the new earth, it began when Jesus came out of the tomb. And so the resurrection of Jesus in some ways strode to me. It's almost as significant as the first pages of my Bible. When I open the scripture and there's nothingness, there's blank, empty void, and the Spirit of God begins to, to hover over the deep waters and life is, is emerging from it and he creates everything we enjoy. Well, if that's the first creation and Jesus stepping foot out of the empty tomb launches the new creation, then in a way the resurrection, this new birth, this new hope, it is as significant as the beginning of the first creation. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, it's just in the onset stage. So anyway, hey, thanks for being with us, man. I really appreciate you helping our, our brothers and sisters think about um, the, the resurrection. I encourage our church family this week, um, if you are interested in the resurrection of our bodies and the resurrection to a new creation, then uh, I want to encourage you to read 1 Corinthians. Like you could spend a week reading through 1 Corinthians chapter 15 uh, slowly and carefully to understand one of, the, one of the most clear and powerful teachings about our resurrected bodies. So 1 Corinthians 15 for sure. 